You're listening to the Take Your Shop podcast, a podcast for wedding photographers and videographers looking to grow and scale their business. I'm your host, Hallie Heather, and my goal is for you to walk away feeling empowered and inspired as you continue to build a business that you're passionate about and that serves both you and your clients well. So whether you're operating as a side hustle or you're looking for tips and tricks on how to improve and scale your business, you, my friend, are in the right place. You don't have to figure it all out on your own, and I'm so glad you're here. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Take Your Shop podcast. Today, you guys, I'm super excited for this episode because not only do we have a really good topic that we're talking about, but we're also bringing on my favorite person, my husband, partner in crime, Luke. Aw, thank you. <laughs> I'm your favorite person. Luke, this is your first time on the show. How does it feel? It is. It feels good. It feels like it's going to be a good time. <laughs> it is. It is. And you guys, this is like the perfect episode to just have Luke on because we're going to be talking about the things we do differently if we were just starting out mm-hmm. today. So if you've listened to the previous episode, you have heard a little bit about our journey in terms of just like how I got here. And now Luke, he was a big part of that. And so I'm excited to just like have him on. We're going to be just talking through and reflecting on just our early stages and really like thinking through with the mistakes and things that we've learned the hard way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so. Hopefully help some of you avoid those mistakes or at least uh, learn in part from what we went through. And that's not to say that everything in here is like, oh, a big regret or I wish I would undo it. But we learned some stuff from it and it wasn't ideal. And <laughs> we just want to share those things. Totally. Okay. So let's jump in. In terms of the first thing, Luke, what would you say is the first thing you wish we would have done differently when just starting out? I'd say one of the larger items, and so I guess we put it on our list first, was networking with other photographers. And this is one thing we didn't do, I think, enough was expose ourselves to different people, different ways of doing things, different shooting styles, different processes. You can learn a lot from others and especially in person, just that interaction and networking is super valuable. It can lead to referrals. It can lead to learning better ways of doing things and cooler ways to shoot on the wedding day, as well as what we consider networking as well as second shooting for others. That was something that we didn't do. We just jumped straight in and we survived and we figured it out and we learned a lot and we learned a lot by error. But by second shooting, we could have learned a lot on the job basically. And I think it's certainly possible to learn without doing that. And and we did that. But if we had second shot for people more, we would have learned way quicker and become better ourselves way quicker. And like I said, it wasn't wrong to not second shoot, but it just really dragged that process out because we had to make mistakes to learn from it rather than someone else more experienced tell us their perspective. Totally. And I think looking back, I don't think we did anything wrong. I agree with you in that sense. And I think also keep in mind, this was a side hustle for us. So it never really was an intent for us to go full time. So I think a lot of people starting their business start in different spots with different goals and different dreams. And we really didn't have anything set specifically, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but we really just wanted to do something creative together. It was a creative outlet. It was something we did on the side. We were using the money to pay off student loans. (laughs) (laughs) And so for us, it really was just like a bonus income, something we loved doing. And it just was like a, a creative freedom, honestly. I really wish we would have second shot. But yeah, in terms of actually getting a full-on experience and full-on second shooting, yeah, we didn't have any of that. And it's wild to think that we just like jumped in. What were we thinking? (laughs) Oh man. Another thing that kind of goes in line with networking that I wish we would have done was be 
maybe more intentional about building out relationships with people on a mentorship level. So seeking out people who are doing what I wanted to do or people who I admire their work or whether it's on social media or they're local, uh, just really connecting with them and finding ways that I can pick their brains, whether that's get coffee or do a meetup or sign up for a one-on-one session to learn more about how they do their approach and everything. I think you can learn a lot from people in the industry and so many people are an open book. I think that's talked about a lot more. I mean, we were starting what, seven years ago, th- those weren't really a thing like mentorships and coaching. At least it wasn't like a, as big as it is now and accessible, but I wish that those resources were available back when we were starting. Cause I think that would have been super helpful. Cool. Anything else you want to add in terms of networking with other photographers? Yeah. It, just in general, what, what all these do is they build like a, a community for yourself, even if it's just online online or in person, when you have a community and people that you can go to ask questions, get support and different perspectives from, it is really encouraging and empowering in a way. And so if we had done that, like it would have been really empowering to do that earlier in our process. But again, like since it was a side hustle, we weren't as intentional about thinking about these things. And so I guess I'm just agreeing with what you said that learning from others would be super valuable. And and all these things that we're talking about is a way of building that community for yourself. And And that's a huge goal of what we're doing here at the Take Your Shot podcast and with our online community is just trying to create that space for people that we wish we had. That's not to say that there aren't other communities out there, but you can learn so many different things from different types of people. And it's really just about connecting with what's out there and seeing what aligns with you, what aligns with your vision. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really the goal here. And so I think that's really cool. All right. I think another thing we would do differently when just starting out would be investing and building our portfolio, whether that's time or money. Because when you think about how we started, do you remember how we started? <laughs> we just jumped in. We just started booking weddings and started doing them. <laughs> yeah, casual. We just started booking weddings. No, there's a lot to unpack with just that. But really it was like shooting weddings for friends who were just engaged because we did this right out of college. We mm-hmm. had friends who were just engaged. They have the whole ring by spring at our little Christian college that we went to. And so there were plenty of people who were out of college just getting married, not necessarily trying to spend a fortune. And so they just wanted their friend with a nice camera to shoot. And so we had the luxury of being able to book these weddings at a lower price. But in terms of a portfolio, when you're starting out that way, you're not really thinking through what types of weddings do I want to shoot? What types of styles do I align with? And we just took on every wedding that we, mm-hmm. we had in front of us. We didn't, we weren't really intentional about what exactly is the content that we're shooting. And we never really did anything to set up our own creative shoots or travel to places that we wanted to uh, photograph like the mountains, which it took years for us to even think, oh yeah, we could actually set up our own shoot or offer this to couples. Like we've never really took initiative when it came to our portfolio. And that's something I really wish we would have done. Yeah. And that's not to say that when you're just starting out, you have complete control and and power over who books you and what the content is. We totally get it. And like you have a limited reach and limited portfolio. But what Hallie's saying and what I agree with is just the intentionality of trying to build towards that. We didn't have any intentionality. So it took us years to even start getting the stuff that like that even made us realize like, oh, this is what we want to do. We want to do more shoots and weddings like this. And that's not to say anything bad about the weddings we had done prior, but if we had the intentionality, we could have been looking for more opportunities to get that type of content. Totally. And I think being clear too about the intent of a styled shoot. So Luke and I, we really value authenticity. And Mm -hmm. so whether it's the first wedding we're shooting, like those couples knew it was our first wedding. And actually, I think I've only done, I've only went to one workshop. Actually, last year was my first time even attending a workshop in a styled shoot where it wasn't me being paid or me offering it to a client or a friend on my own. And when you're building those portfolios, I think it's really important to be intentional on your social media and not saying it's a real wedding when it's not. But I think it's really cool 
cool because it is still your authentic work. Like you took that photo, you edited it. It's something that was put together. And there are people who might have weddings that align with what that creative shoot was set up to do. Mm -hmm. And so it really helps you get into the space of, okay, this is what I can do. This is what I'm capable of doing and helping use that portfolio to help other potential clients see what you're capable of doing. Yeah. I think that's the intent of a style shoot. But what I would say a style shoot is not intended to do is, hey, look at this wedding I shot when indeed it wasn't a real wedding. I think it's really important to distinguish that. So I'm not saying I would build this portfolio and say, oh yeah, look at me. I did all these things. I think an intentional way to do that is being authentic to who you are, what you're showcasing, and just talk that through with couples so that they're aware that was a styled shoot. But I think what your vision for your wedding day really aligns with that. And here's an idea of what that image could look like coming from me. Yeah, that's a great point. Cool. So I think investing in portfolio, being intentional about what you want to build is really important. I would say another thing I wish we would have done, and maybe you have a lot to say on this too, would be work towards developing a process. Do you remember our process when we first started? No, I don't. Because there was no process. <laughs> there was no process, you guys. And I know that sounds wild, but our process was essentially just... Every single time we, we were figuring out what to do um, with every single person that reached out. Um, obviously, we had a... I'm pretty sure we had a pricing guide even early on, but it was like, what kind of messaging or, or how do we want to communicate to the couples? What's our experience like You know, when we're onboarding isn't the right word, but like the before the wedding day, during the wedding day and after the wedding day, like we weren't consistent in what we were doing. And I guess I want to be clear that like our suggestion isn't that, okay, write everything out and make a pro develop a process for everything. No, you don't necessarily have to do that, especially as you're learning, but make sure whatever you are doing in some way, you are like documenting it and being consistent. Cause then from there, it's very easy to improve something rather than sit down and try to map it all out as you're figuring things out what works for you what works for the clients that you're trying to reach if you're writing it then you can easily improve on it later and consistency is super important because then you actually can learn what works and what doesn't but if you're doing something different every single time then you have no way of knowing and it also confuses the clients too, because the clients need to know exactly why they should hire you, what your process is going to look like, what they can expect, what, what it looks like to work with you. And it's really important, not only for your own sanity and staying organized, but also for your clients to have a repeatable experience that they can rave about to their friends and family. And, you know, if, if someone's referring you to a friend and the experience that their friend gets is very different than theirs, there's gonna be a disconnect. And that could actually look really negative on your side yeah, too. So exactly. I think that's really important, not only from your own standpoint, but also so in terms of how it's like for clients to work with you. Mm -hmm. This applies even towards like when you're delivering after the wedding, after you've shot the wedding, like consistency in your editing, consistency in the quality that you're delivering. Like we all know and understand that sometimes there's going to be a variety in your shoot, especially er earlier on as you're still learning how to shoot weddings. But realizing that clients don't want every single photo you ever you took, <gasps> even if they say that, if you're going to take 20 pictures of the same pose, maybe, and make sure that you're getting your settings right, you don't need to deliver all those photos. That's very overwhelming for, for your couples and to not 
That's something that we did for so long is just delivered every single photo that could be considered good because we want them to be able to decide what their favorite photo is. Like, you know, they're going to see one and then they're going to glaze over the rest. And that's what you want to avoid. You don't want your clients glazing over the album that you've just sent them. Especially if you think through the calling process and just how many photographers might dread that part of the process because there's a lot to go through. That's overwhelming for even the photographer. So to pass that on to your clients is not great. And this is an honest confession. The first couple of weddings that we did, we actually gave out literally the straight out bras just all of them we would edit like a a small gallery or maybe some of our favorites and then the essential photos but basically we just also gave them the rest and said feel free to use any of these if you want and they were not good no Literally, like our first wedding, we shot all on auto. And the photos that we were giving them when we were giving them the raws, like they were not good. Keep in mind, we were beginners. We were not shooting on manual mode. We were literally shooting on auto everything. And it was quite a lot. Yeah. I, I remember even some of the, again, we didn't second shoot. And so we were figuring things out on the fly. I remember like several times throughout the day, like you and I would have a little huddle. Hey, I'm trying to do this. Like maybe pull up a picture of inspiration. Like how the heck does this happen? Like we didn't have any understanding or not any, we had limited understanding of how to use the cameras. And so we were just constantly trying to figure it out. And we had told the couple that ahead of time. So they knew it was our first time. It wasn't very, I'm pretty sure his suit costed more than both of us shooting the wedding. And that's totally fine. But (laughs) we, we were totally figuring it out the day of, and that's, that's fine. We were learning, but then we gave all of those raw photos to them. And so Um, we never got any negative feedback, but just looking back, it's just like, wow, that's overwhelming. I'm pretty sure we sent them like 3000 photos and many of them are going to be lower quality than the ones that we selected. And so rather than overwhelm the clients and with a lot of your experimental shots or shots that you messed up on, when you call it only send them the, the best shots. And that's to say either the best shots of the pose or moment that you did, but also the best moment. So Even if it's not like a technically good photo, if it's of a good moment, still include that for sure. This is their memories of a a super important day. So we want to include all those important moments, but only send them the best moments. I couldn't agree more. And I think just having those processes in place really protect both you and the client and just makes for a better experience for everyone. Sweet. Okay. So I feel like we could talk all day about processes, but we do have more. So Luke, do you want to talk about the next thing we would do differently if we were just starting out? Yeah. So I think... Next, what we had talked about was that to have an actual pricing strategy, this is similar to what we were talking about previously with processes, but we were just every single time we were feeling it out with the pricing strategy and looking back, I'm sure like many people would say, oh, we weren't charging enough. And granted, when you're starting out, your prices are going to be lower because you have less experience, you have less skill. And so those prices are going to be lower naturally. But if you're not intentional about what do I need to do to increase my pricing, when should I be doing that? If you don't have a strategy behind that, then you might burn through a whole year and realize, oh, wow, I burned myself out. I was not charging enough. Those are painful moments that have to look back on that you did that for an entire year. And so um, one way that came up is we were always pricing ourselves for ourselves in that moment not thinking about, oh, this is this wedding's in a year, this wedding's in a year and a half. We're going to be in a significantly better place and to update our pricing accordingly. Um, for example, like one time we got an inquiry for a wedding. It was like a year and a half out. It was one of the furthest out weddings that we had gotten at that time. And it was one that we weren't necessarily super passionate 
about booking. So we were like, let's take this as an opportunity to explore a different price. And I think we threw out, I don't remember what the package looked like, but just gave them one option and just, and it'll cost you three grand. And to us, that was like, that's really expensive. If they book it, we'd be happy. But if not, that's fine. And then th- that same day, they emailed back, sounds good. They, like, they, they, didn't even, they didn't even hop on a call with us. They, they were didn't. like, okay, yep, sounds good. Send us the next steps. And we were like, oh, $3,000 felt like a lot. I think at the time we were only charging like a thousand. Um, yeah, like twelve hundred, fifteen hundred. Yeah, like we more than doubled this, and we weren't excited about it. And then it's crazy because then, in that moment, we realized, okay, we probably are undercharging. And then even by the time we got to that wedding, our pricing was higher than that, and so that felt low even at that time. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of an interesting situation that really opened our minds up to just exploring pricing more and really evaluating what are we worth, and then how do we communicate that, but then also how do we have more strategy behind how we're actually booking our weddings. Yeah. Another thing I'd encourage you to do and consider is is to create multiple packages or multiple collections with your top one, including the most items of value, whether it be more time, more engagement shoots or whatever it may be, just the highest value, but also price it accordingly. So it's also the highest priced. That way, if you do start booking that package more then you've begun to validate that you can charge those types of prices and the things that you're putting in the package are valuable to the clients that you're after. And that's a really great way to vet out what you're offering and at what price without scaring off people. If you're nervous that you might scare off potential clients, you still have other packages to offer them. And ultimately you want to draw them to the middle. Totally. And, and I would say most people don't view themselves as top of the top. They're not always looking to book the top package. And they're probably not wanting to do the cheapest package either, just because this day is an investment. I don't want to book the cheapest package. And they typically want more than what that might have. And so really making sure that your bread and butter for your collections are set up in those in-between packages, which yeah. is like, a, we could talk like a whole episode yes. on pricing, but yeah. I think that's a good kind of overview of just how you might want to think about pricing in terms of making sure that you have something that's a right for everyone or you just want to have options so that then when you come across people who maybe are willing to invest more, that they're able to have that option with you. So yes, all of this to say, having a pricing strategy is so important and making sure that you have it organized and you're really intentional, not only about what's in front of you and where your skill sets are now, but also thinking down the road of how you're setting yourself up for the future in terms of how you're pricing today. And I guess the overall theme with all the things that we've talked about, pricing, process, portfolio, all those, well, look at all those P's, <laughs> is just being intentional and like actually thinking about what you're doing rather than just stumbling through. Yes. And I will say a lot of times people look to others for how they should price themselves. And I would just really encourage you to, before looking and asking other people what they're charging, really think through, do you feel comfortable with what you're offering? Because is your quality worth what you're charging? And then, and then slowly ask people in your life, okay, how much would this be worth to you? Slowly ask those people, but be really careful about who you ask and what you're basing it off of in terms of other people, because what someone else charges is probably very irrelevant to what you should be charging because they're probably not going to have the same experience. They're not going to have the same process. They're not going to have the same technical skills. Everything is going to look very different. And so you and your style is going to be very different than the person next door. And so you want to be really intentional about what and who might influence your pricing because you don't want to undervalue yourself, but you also don't want to look to someone else and just copy their pricing because their strategy, everything that goes into that is going to look very different than yours. So all of this to say, having a pricing strategy is so important and it'll really set you up for success down the road. The last item we wanted to talk about is to make sure that you have appropriate boundaries set up. And that's something that we wish we would have had looking back. We didn't 
early on, we didn't set limits to how many hours we were shooting the day. So we would shoot 12 to 14 hours on these weddings. I think our second wedding was like a 14 hour day and it was like 98 in the summer. It was just, it was pretty brutal. We also didn't have a strict time on when we had their last payment due. And so we were there, the couple was gone. Everyone was tearing down. It was a backyard wedding and we were like, who's going to pay us. And so we were like, Oh, I think we need to talk to her dad. Yeah. And it was just like such an awkward thing because we didn't have a boundary in terms of like when we had payments coming through of, Oh, we aren't going to show up before we get paid. You know, we didn't have any sort of set boundaries in terms of payment. Yeah. That also loops back to processes, right? Like totally, it, it, we didn't have a set way like of boundaries processes did not have those things, but yes. And then we were there and we we're like, Oh, I guess we're just helping tear it down until dad can write us a check. <laughs> so <laughs> that's right. I forgot that about that. So awkward. Um, but also fine. Like we, obviously we were happy to serve them in that yes. way, but I don't and, think we would do that again today. And this is a balance. Like you do want to at every stage of your photography, videography career, you do want to overserve, like you want to over deliver on what you're saying, but you do want to keep in mind that for your own health and own respect, like there are boundaries that you do need to set up. So that might be limiting how many hours you're able to shoot, how many weddings you're able to book in a season, how many photos you're going to deliver. We don't set a hard cap on like how many photos we deliver. We never have, but like what I was saying earlier, we do, we are intentional about not including a ridiculous amount, like 20 photos of the same pose, just making sure that you're respecting yourself and in, in the boundaries that you set up. And just to touch a little bit more on boundaries, it's so important to think through boundaries. They're not a bad thing. Like nobody's going to look at you having a boundary is a bad thing. So whether that's how you communicate, when you communicate with clients, like if you want to have your Saturday where you don't have a wedding and you want to take that off and be with your family, don't feel obligated to be on your emails that day. It's okay to have a day off. And I think in this type of career where you're working for yourself, it might feel like a saturated market at times and the competition is high. If you need to have a day off though, that is fine. Have those days off. And and really we build these businesses. You probably didn't go into it just so you could work all the time, right? Maybe you left a job that you were feeling burnt out. I know that was something that I felt when I left kind of the corporate world. And and so you don't want to just be a bad boss to yourself and not have boundaries in terms of when you work and when you don't. This is still really hard for me. So I'm talking to myself too. This is a good reminder for me of just having set intentional time away from work and communicating that and maybe having set office hours. And it's okay to let your clients know or even potential clients know, Hey, got your form. Can't wait to talk. Let's talk next week. It's, it's okay to just have that set up or even have an email response when you're out of the office and people will just know, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. I want them to spend this weekend off. Maybe it's their first weekend off in a while because it's wedding season. You should take that time off. And I, I know it can be hard to hear too early, earlier on, but it is okay to say no to weddings. That's maybe made a little bit easier if this is a, a side hustle for you at the moment because you're not relying on that income. But there are multiple instances where we booked a couple or a wedding. And even before we had booked them, we were like unsure about it, if it fit our desires and personalities and whatnot, but we still went ahead and did that. And then it was a source of stress later and we didn't need to book that. And we would have been a little bit better off if we hadn't, right? And also to be fair to the couple as well, they deserve a photographer or videographer that they connect really well with and that they align with their process. And so if you aren't that, it's okay to say no. Totally. And I couldn't agree more. And I think 
in your process of connecting with clients before they actually book you, I think it's really important to have a time to just hop on a call and get to know them. And really in that call, you can discern, okay, is this going to be a good fit? Are there expectations and hopes and desires for their wedding day? Something that I feel comfortable delivering on because there've been times where we've you know, listen to couples on these calls, talk to them, learn more, and then get off that call. And we kind of process together. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I don't feel comfortable with meeting these expectations or this is not something I feel confident in, in terms of if they ask you to change your contract and you don't want to, or, or, or in terms of just exactly the style they want, because we're pretty confident in just like our experience, our style and our approach. And so when someone else is telling us how they want us to do it, but it doesn't align, I don't feel this obligation to be that for them. And I don't think you should ever in your business when it's literally your business to feel obligated to be something that you're not just to please someone. And so that's a really important boundary just to hold. And I think it'll serve both you and your clients well, and also serve those clients that you don't book because then they can find someone who can do that where it's in their wheelhouse and it's going to be a good fit, better experience. And then that photographer can work with someone that they feel aligned with. Yeah. And maybe to make it easier for yourself too, if you find yourself really having a hard time saying no, you can take that as inspiration and as a moment to like, I'm going to say no, and I'm going to be super intentional about booking X, Y, or Z, or, you know, like I'm going to really go after, you know, a shoot in the mountains. Cause I really want to do that. Okay. So I'm not, I'm going to say no to this and I'm, it's just a reminder. I'm going to be extra sure to build a portfolio that I want kind of looping it back to our previous point about being intentional about your portfolio. Totally, totally. And I think all of these will serve you really well in your business. And like we said, these are all things that we wish we would have done when we were just starting out mm -hmm. because there's no handbook. Nobody just says, oh, you started a business. Here you go. You have to be intentional. Seek out those resources. We really hope that this podcast was one of those resources for you. And if you really enjoyed today's episode, I'd love to connect with you guys on Instagram. You can see it linked in the show notes. Thank you, Luke, for being on today's episode. Absolutely. I hope to have you again. You want to come back again sometime? I think so. Yeah. I think we should have him back. I, I do live here, so it's hard to avoid. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Take Your Shop podcast. If you found this podcast helpful or insightful, we would absolutely be honored if you could take a moment to leave us a review on whichever platform you're listening on. If you have any friends who you think would benefit from this podcast, please share it with them. And lastly, we absolutely love connecting with you all on social media. You can find us using the links below in the show notes. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next week.